Chapter twenty one of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee, Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, by Francois Rene de Chateaubriand. Chapter twenty one. Two years of delirium, occupations, and fancies. This delirium lasted for two whole years during which the powers of my mind reached the highest pitch of exaltation. I spoke little, I ceased to speak at all, I studied, I threw away my books, my taste for solitude redoubled, I showed all the symptoms of a violent passion, I became emaciated, my eyes were sunken, I could not sleep, I was absent, sad, ardent, savage, my days passed on in a wild, extravagant, mad fashion, which nevertheless had a peculiar charm. To the north of the chateau lay a plain strewn with druidical stones. At sunset I wandered thither, and seated myself on one of these masses, gazing thence on the gilded summits of the woods, the beauty of the earth, the star of evening gleaming through rosy clouds. I fell back into my reveries. I longed to enjoy this spectacle with the ideal object of my passion. I followed the star of day in thought. I gave up my ideal beauty to his guidance, that he might present her with himself, all radiant to receive the homage of the universe the evening breeze breaking the network woven on the blades of grass by the insects the lark alighting on a pebble brought me back to reality i took my way to the manor my heart oppressed my countenance despondent on days of summer storm i ascended the large western tower the reverberation of the thunder beneath the timber work of the chateau the torrents of rain falling with an angry noise on the pyramidal roofs of the towers, the lightning furrowing the cloud and lighting up the copper veins with an electric flame all roused my enthusiasm. Like Ismino on the ramparts of Jerusalem, I invoked the lightning, I hoped it would bring Armida to my arms. If the sky were serene, I crossed the great mall, around which lay meadows divided by hedges, planted with willows. I had made a seat resembling a nest in one of these willows. There, isolated, suspended between earth and sky, I passed whole hours with the linnets. My nymph was by my side. Her image was equally associated with the beauty of those spring nights, so filled with the freshness of the dew, the sighs of the nightingale, and the murmur of the zephyrs. At other times I followed a wild path, a brook fringed with its water-plants. I listened to the sounds which issue from unfrequented localities. I lent an ear to every tree. The light of the moon in the woods seemed to pour forth a voice of music. I attempted to utter these pleasures, and the words died on my lips. I heard my goddess, I know not how, even in the accents of a voice, the tremblings of a harp, in the full sounds of a horn, or the liquid tones of a harmonicon. It would be too long a tale were I to recount the delightful journeys which I took with my blossom of love, how hand in hand we visited the celebrated ruins, Venice, Rome, Athens, Jerusalem, Memphis, Carthage, how we crossed seas, asked happiness of the palms of Otaheite, of the perfumed groves of Amboina and Timor, awakened the dawn on the summit of Himalaya, floated down the sacred rivers whose spreading waves surround pagodas crowned by golden globes, and slept by the shores of the Ganges, whilst the Bengali, perched on the mast of a little boat formed of bamboo, chanted his Indian barcarolle. Earth and heaven became matter of indifference to me, the latter especially faded from my remembrance. But if I no longer lifted my thoughts heavenward, 
heaven turned an ear to the voice of my secret misery for i suffered and suffering praise my autumn joys the sadder and more gloomy the season the more congenial was it for my frame of mind the frosts by rendering communication less easy isolate the inhabitants of the country one feels more at ease when secure from the intrusion of men a moral character is attached to autumnal scenes the leaves falling like our years the flowers fading like our hours the clouds fleeting like our illusions the light diminishing like our intelligence the sun growing colder like our affections the rivers becoming frozen like our lives all bear secret relation to our destinies it gave me indescribable pleasure to see the return of the tempestuous season the flight of the swans and wood-pigeons the assembling of the rooks in the meadow by the pond and their settling at nightfall on the highest oaks of the great moor when at evening a bluish mist rose from the paths of the forest when the moaning or plaintive music of the wind whispered through the withered mosses i entered into full possession of the sympathies of my nature if i met some labourer at the end of a field i stopped to look at this man who had grown up in the shadow of the corn amongst which he would one day be cut down and who turning up the earth of his grave with his ploughshare mingled the burning sweat of his brow with the frozen rain of autumn the furrow which he made was the monument destined to survive him and how meanwhile was my graceful phantom occupied she transported me by her magic to the banks of the nile and showed me the egyptian pyramid buried in sand as the armorican furrow would one day be concealed by the heath i applauded myself for having placed the fables of my felicity beyond the circle of human realities in the evening i embarked on the pond alone in my boat guiding it amidst rushes and the large leaves of the water-lily there assembled the swallows just preparing to quit our climate i lost not a single twitter tavernier when a child was less attentive to a traveller's story they gambled on the water as the sun went down pursued the insects rose together into the air as if to try their wings swept down again to the surface of the lake and settled on the rose-bushes which scarcely bent beneath their weight and which they filled with their confused twittering an incantation the night fell the rose-bushes waved their thorny branches among which the feathered tribe moorhens teals kingfishers and snipes settled silently the lake softly bathed its shores autumn sounds issued from the marshes and woods i moored my boat on the shore and returned to the chateau ten o'clock struck i retired to my chamber opened my windows and fixing my eyes on the heavens began an incantation i rose with my enchantress upon the clouds enveloped in her tresses and her floating drapery i was wafted away with the tempestuous wind to wave the forest tops shake mountain summits and lash seas into fury plunging into space descending from the throne of the supreme to the gates of the abyss worlds were yielded up to the power of my love amidst the confusion of the elements my enthusiasm united the idea of danger to that of pleasure the blasts of the north wind were to my ears the sighs of voluptuous delight the murmur of the rain invited me to sleep on the bosom of a woman the words which i poured forth to this woman would have revived the jaded senses of age and warmed the marble of the grave my enchantress the cause of my madness was a combination of mysteries and passions ignorant of everything yet knowing all things at once a virgin and a mistress eve in her innocence eve when fallen i set her on an altar and worshipped her the pride of being loved by her increased my love for her if she moved i prostrated myself 
to be trodden under her feet or to kiss the trace of her footsteps i was troubled at her smile i trembled at the sound of her voice a thrill of desire ran through me when i touched anything on which she had laid her hand the air breathed from her fresh mouth penetrated to my marrow and flowed in my veins instead of blood a single glance of hers would have sent me with the swiftness of the wind to the furthest extremity of the earth the wildest desert would have been a paradise to me with her by her side the den of lions would have seemed a palace and millions of centuries would have been too short to exhaust the fire which consumed me to this madness was added a moral idolatry by another play of my imagination this phrynea who entwined me in her arms was also my ideal of fame and more especially of honour virtue when she accomplishes her noblest sacrifices genius when she creates some sublime thought would scarcely give an idea of this other kind of happiness in the marvellous creation of my own mind i found at once all the blandishments of sense and all the delights of the soul overwhelmed submerged in these double pleasures i no longer knew what my true existence was i was a mortal and yet not a mortal i was transformed into a cloud a wind a sound i was a spirit an aerial being singing of supreme felicity i cast away my own nature that i might make myself one with the phantom of my desires and transform myself into it that i might be in more intimate communion with beauty be at the same time the passion received and the passion given love and its object suddenly struck with a sense of my folly i threw myself on my couch i buried myself in my grief i watered my pillow with burning tears which fell unseen and were given to a phantom a temptation after a time thus passed no longer able to remain in my tower i descended through the darkness opened the door at the foot of the stairs with the furtive movement of a murderer and wandered forth to the wood i walked some time at hazard waving my hands embracing the winds which escaped from me like the phantom which was the constant object of my pursuit then stopped leaning against the trunk of a beech i watched the crows startled from one tree and alighting on another or the light of the moon gliding along the leafless tree-tops i longed to inhabit this dead world reflecting the pallor of the grave i felt neither the cold nor the night dew even the icy breath of the dawn would not have roused me from my dreams had not the village bell at this hour fallen on my ear in most of the villages of britannia the break of day is the time usually selected for tolling the bell for the dead this tolling consisting only of three notes has in it a sort of monotonous melancholy and rural melody nothing could be more in harmony with my sick and wounded soul than to be thus recalled to the tribulations of existence by the sound which announced its end i pictured to myself the herdsman expiring in his unknown hut then laid in a cemetery not less obscure what had he come to do on earth what was i doing in this world since i must one day take my leave of it would it not be better to set out on my journey during the freshness of the morning and arrive early at my destination than to perform it under the oppressive heat of the day the flush of desire overspread my face the idea of ceasing to exist took possession of my heart like a sudden joy during the time of my youthful errors i often wished not to survive happiness in my first success there was a degree of felicity which made me aspire to self-destruction day by day bound me more strongly to my phantom unable to enjoy what did not exist i was like those mutilated men who dream of beatitudes overflowing for them and create for themselves a vision whose pleasures equal the tortures of the infernal regions i had moreover a presentiment of the miseries of my future destiny ingenious in inventing sufferings 
i had placed myself between two ideas of despair sometimes i looked on myself as a creature of no worth incapable of rising above the vulgar herd at others i seemed to have a consciousness of qualities never destined to be appreciated an instinctive feeling warned me that on my path through the world i should find nothing of what i sought everything combined to nourish the bitterness of my discontent lucille was unhappy my mother afforded me no consolation my father made me feel the terrors of life his moroseness increased with his ears age froze his soul as well as his body he watched me unceasingly seeking opportunities of speaking harshly to me when i returned from my wild expeditions and saw him seated on the steps i would have died rather than have entered the chateau yet i could only defer my torment forced to appear at supper i sat down in confusion on the edge of my chair my face stained by the rain my hair in disorder under my father's eyes i sat motionless a cold perspiration broke on my brow the last ray of reason fled i have now reached a period at which i require some strength of mind to confess my weakness the man who attempts his own life gives evidence rather of the weakness of his nature than of the vigour of his soul i had a gun the worn-out trigger of which often went off unexpectedly i loaded this gun with three balls and went to a spot at a considerable distance from the great mall i cocked the gun put the end of the barrel into my mouth and struck the butt-end against the ground i repeated the attempt several times but unsuccessfully the appearance of a gamekeeper interrupted me in my design i was a fatalist though without my own intention or knowledge supposing that my hour was not yet come i deferred the execution of my project to another day had i succeeded all that i had been would have been buried with me nothing would have been known of the mental history which led me to my fate i should have added one more to the multitude of nameless unfortunates i could not have been traced by my griefs like a wounded man by his blood any whose minds may be troubled by these delineations and tempted to imitate these follies or who may be attached to my memory by my fancies should remember that they are listening to the voice of one who has passed from this world reader whom i shall never know of me there is nothing remaining nothing but what i am in the hands of the living god who has judged me End of chapter twenty one